Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sam Quinn, great, talented NBA writer at CBSSports.com, writes a lot about this Lakers team that are in the semifinals. Good morning, Mr. Quinn. Sam Quinn, CBS on Twitter. How are you, sir? Oh, Bill, I'm great. I hear you're in Vegas. Where are you staying? Uh, I'm staying off the strip at a quiet little, quiet little hotel. I, I got, I'm a little bit under the weather, so I, I'm 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 just I'm hooping it. I'm doing work, and then I'm going back to the room and sleeping. I'm not. Are you a gambler? I love to play oh, poker, yeah. and I'm. Oh, I'm a bit. I lived in Vegas for a, for a little while, a couple of years ago. So I'm always curious what people's hotels of choice are. But man, couldn't have picked a worse time to to feel sick. I know it's terrible. I went to the Cosmo last night to get sushi. They have a good little sushi spot, and I walked to the. I'm more of a poker player, and they don't have a poker room. But I was the Ari is not, as you know, not far from there, and I was jonesing for some cards, but I was not able to uh, to make myself do it. When were you? Were you in Vegas when you were at CBS? I did not know this. Yeah, it was um, a few years ago. It was during COVID. You know, um, I went. Uh, I was living in New York when COVID hit, and my lease expired right as the as things went crazy. My parents were living here, so they were just saying, oh, come out, stay for a few months, it'll be fine. And then a year and a half later, the world hadn't really come back together. So I did spend some time in Vegas. It's a great city. It's kind of a weird city to live in, I'll admit, but I've had a lot of fun here. I wish I'd known because I've actually got the hookup. I know some some casino owners. I know some some guys who gamble professionally, and I'm too old to enjoy that stuff anymore. Like, I just... I'm not doing dinner at 2 a.m. like I used to, but but if you ever get here, let me know, and you can you can just like draft off of the uh, the relationships that I have from all the folks here in, in Vegas, or maybe the other way around. If you lived here, maybe you can hook me up. Is there like a do you have the same thing, but for 5 p.m.? No, okay, I got it. Past the, the 2 a.m. portion of my life as well. I think I'm right on the outskirts of it, but next, yeah, we'll we'll make something happen. All right, Sam Quinn on the show. All right, so um, I actually have a very small ticket from a few weeks ago on the Lakers to win this thing because actually a GM who's not a Lakers uh, employee sort of sold me on the idea that, that the kind of team that would win would be a team like the Lakers and walk me through why. So I've, I've become a Lakers fan over the course uh, of, of the next few days. Do you buy into the notion, and some people do and some people don't around the NBA, that either for a team like the Lakers that obviously have won a championship recently or teams like the Pelicans or, or, or the Pacers that are trying to push their way forward – do you buy the idea that this tournament can be a catalyst for trying to refine some of the things you need to win starting in April and May? Well, yeah. I mean, we started to see this with some of the um, with some of the quarterfinal games. I mean, that Pacers-Celtics game was really competitive. 
Lakers Suns obviously went right down to the wire. No coach is ever going to complain about having playoff atmosphere games early in the season. So you can, you know, maybe figure out, okay, who do I trust in a big game setting? What kind of stuff do I want to run? Now, the Lakers have been through this enough that they feel pretty comfortable down the stretch of a big game. They're going to say, okay, well, we can go to the LeBron AD pick and roll. We can go to the LeBron um, Austin Reeves two-man game. We know what we can be. But if you're a younger team, like, not only have the Pacers not played in the playoffs with this group yet, Tyrese Halliburton just played his first game on TNT. Like, the Pacers don't have any big game experience yet, so this is going to be huge for them to actually get to play in a single elimination setting against, you know, they just played Boston, who I think is the best team in the league. They're playing Milwaukee tonight, second best team in the East. Like, this is going to be huge for them. What um, it's a it's one game, right? Any it, this is not a best of seven series, where force of talent and, and just force of quality can overcome a, a good game or two. And I recognize that. So in that context, are you giving a team like the Pacers any kind of a fight chance to continue to surprise and and maybe be playing on, on Saturday night for this in season championship? Well, yeah. I mean, in a one-game setting, it's a little bit like the NCAA tournament, right? Like, if you were to ask me who I think is going to win in Vegas, my pick is probably the Bucks. But if you really dig deep on why, my real answer is it's going to be the team that makes their threes because in a one-game setting, you know, if the Pacers make 22 threes and the Bucks make nine, well, yeah, the Pacers are probably going to win. So in a single elimination setting, it really does feel like anything's possible and we could have I don't want to say a Cinderella run because the Pacers are really good. The Pelicans are – now they're getting healthy. The Pelicans are really good too. So I don't want to call it a Cinderella, but in a one-game setting, anything really can happen. Talking to Sam Quinn here on the show. All right, give me your – you write about and watch consistently the Lakers. What It's early days. I know we're in the in-season tournament, and they're obviously here. and They're doing great. But as it relates to the actual regular season, we're still pretty early on. What is your read on the Lakers this year? I think right now I, I it's been kind of up and down and rocky, so there have been moments where I felt better and moments where I felt worse. But I came into the season feeling like they were a good team that was a trade away from being a great team. They're a team right now that I think can, in a seven-game series, beat almost anybody in the West, but would stand no chance against Denver. And I hate to make it a trade conversation because it so often is with the Lakers, but the thing that really concerns me more than anything is they came into this season – thinking we're going to play LeBron 30 minutes a night. We're going to ease him through the regular season so that he's at full strength when the playoffs come. They play him, I think it's 29 minutes in opening that against Denver. And then by the second game, well, that's done. And now he's playing 34 minutes a night. If you look at the point differentials when he's on and off, it, it's really crazy. They're like, I think they're plus 95 with LeBron on the court and minus 112 when he's off. This team was theoretically built to get LeBron James through the regular season, right? They bring back Austin Reeves. They bring back D'Angelo Russell. They sign Gabe Vincent. They want to have a lot of point a lot of point guards, a lot of ball handling. They got brought in a lot of wings. Those guys are starting to get healthy now to help the defense. But it's not going to matter if you have to rely on LeBron this much because if he has to play this hard for 82 games, he's going to be 39 in April. Like, he's not going to be able to make it through this entire season healthy. So I really think they need another ball handler, another scorer type. We've obviously heard – Zach Levine is the name thrown around. I think they're going to look into that. It's not something they can do until January just because of the contract. But I think they're really right now one high-level score short. Sam Quinn, it's so on point. I, I moved to Miami in 2010 to to cover that Heat team, and I've been 
around LeBron and writing about LeBron and going to LeBron James games ever since. And every season, I have heard coaches say, we are going to play LeBron fewer minutes. By the way, when it wasn't necessary, when he was the Terminator and he was not a soon-to-be 39-year-old, turns 39 in a few weeks, and every season, it's like crack, it's like some addiction, it's like me at a poker room. These guys cannot help themselves. Do you believe there is a world where the Lakers can and will this season actually pull a Popovich, like he did with one of his championship teams, where Tony Parker played 29 minutes a game, and that was the most of most of the guys who contributed, and actually get LeBron to 28, 29, 30 minutes a game? No, I think that ship has sailed. I think they came into the season really planning to do it. I mean, after that loss to Denver on opening night, Darvin Ham basically came out and said, this is the plan, this is what we expect to do. And it was out the window one game later. LeBron has talked about this a lot in press conferences. He is of the opinion that for him it's either I play or I sit. There's no real in-between. He sort of says that you know playing 40, 42 minutes is not really different for him than playing 28, 30. If he's going to go, he's going to go. So I think if this was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Now maybe you can get to a point where Gabe Vincent is back or you make a trade and you feel a little bit better about the ball handling that you have. And you could cut him back a few minutes, but I think the reality that we've come to, both from the things that he said, what Darvin Ham said, and what they've actually done, is that he is just not going to be okay playing 30 minutes a night. And the Lakers as a team are not going to be okay with him playing 30 minutes a night. If they're minus 112 with him on the bench, if he's on the bench 18 minutes a game, they're going to lose most games. Sam Quinn, do the Milwaukee Bucks have a rookie head coach problem, a soon-to-be-solved-by-time merging two stars problem, or no problem at all? You know, it's weird for me to say that I do think they have a rookie head coach problem because you look at the record and they're, I don't know, what is it now, 16-6, and something like that. They're winning these games that, like, normally you'd think a team in, I don't want to say crisis, but a team with the problems that visually you see watching the Bucs, you wouldn't expect a team like that to win those games. They're really overperforming in the clutch, and they can thank Damian Lillard for that. Right now, Damian Lillard has 67 points in clutch situations. I think that's more than, like, six or seven teams in total. Like, they're getting really bailed out late in these games. Like, they fall behind Portland by 25. They're getting into these late-game situations where they're tight with the Blazers, tight with the Bulls, tight with these really bad teams, and then Damian Lillard is pulling a rabbit out of the hat. There are just so many schematic things about the way that they play that don't really make sense to me. I mean, they start the season – playing that ultra-aggressive defense, and, you know, the players basically mutiny and say, no, we have to play Brooke Lopez and drop because that's the only defense where Brooke Lopez makes sense. They're not really running that, you know, Dame Giannis pick-and-roll that we came into the season expecting to be one of the best offensive weapons in the league. They're just making a lot of odd stylistic decisions that if they weren't 16-6 and based on that incredible talent, we'd be asking a lot more questions about the head coaching situation Now, again, how many times have we seen a young head coach come into his first season looking a little overmatched and then figuring it out as the year goes along? I mean, Spolster with the Heat is a great example. If LeBron had his way at that point, Pat Riley would have been coaching that team. Where would the Heat be right now without Eric Spolster? Not in a great place. I'm not going to sit here and say Adrian Griffin can't figure this stuff out. And there might be a method behind some of the madness, right? Like maybe they're trying to figure out alternative weapons and then they get to the playoffs and they're starting to run Damianis pick and roll 40 possessions per 100 or whatever. Like, they can figure this out. That said, I was of the opinion when they made the hire 
that hiring a rookie coach for an older team like this didn't really make sense. If you ask me what would their championship odds be with Mike Budenholzer, I would say higher than they are right now. If they had any other veteran coach, I'd probably feel that way. But they're so talented that it hasn't mattered yet. I mean, when you're whatever their record is, I think they're second or third in the East. 15 and 6, I think, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you can ignore some of the schematic issues that they're having. But if you get into a seven-game series with Boston or Denver, like, that's going to become kind of a problem if you're not maximizing the players that you have. All right, Sam, last one for you. Sam Quinn here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Bill Ryder. The Warriors are 10-11. and 11. They are not at the heights we have seen in the past. They are older. It is only, for them, 21 games into the season. As you know, it's, it's still very early days. What is your optimism or pessimism level for the Warriors over the course of the rest of the season? Yeah, I think if this is going to be the roster, if they're going to have this team when April and May comes around, they're not really a championship contender. They just can't score enough. Um, they're going to have to start asking themselves some very hard questions, and there's not a right or wrong answer to it. But if you really drill deep on what this team actually needs, they desperately need another high-level scorer, and the way to get it is to trade one of your big salaries. Well, if you trade Chris Paul, you've traded away the guy who stabilized your bench. You can't really do that. If you trade Andrew Wiggins, You've traded the guy that theoretically is going to defend a lot of the best wing scorers in the NBA. You don't want to go into a Phoenix series with those three stars not having Andrew Wiggins to defend Kevin Durant. You can't really do that. So we kind of look at Clay Thompson and say, what's your function on this team right now? Because he's not scoring well. He's not shooting well. He's not close to the defender he was at his peak. Is that the guy you should trade in basketball terms? I think the answer would be yes. But you can't make this decision purely in basketball terms because Clay Thompson has won four championships and he's a beloved figure in franchise history. And once you've made a trade like that, you've sort of made a pronouncement to the rest of the league that, like, nobody on this team is safe except for Stephen Curry. We're not functioning as, you know, the way a typical dynasty would. We are going all in on winning the championship this year with Steph still close to his peak. That's a pronouncement that not a lot of dynasties are capable of making. Most dynasties hold on to their guys until the end. And if that's what the Warriors want to do, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I, I mean, I wonder if you pulled 100 Warriors fans, how many of them would be okay with trading Klay Thompson for a fifth championship? I think most of them would probably say no. So it's a tricky non-basketball question that there's not really a wrong answer to, but I look at this roster right now and I say, they are one score short of being what they want to be. You need to trade a big salary to get that scorer and the one that makes sense is clay thompson i don't think they're going to be able to make that trade he is sam quinn follow him on twitter at sam quinn cbs i didn't even know he used to be the mayor of vegas it's just like awesome stuff coming off that resume left and right mr although new york city's not bad either mr quinn uh, thank you buddy appreciate you you jumping on and talking some hoops absolutely bill feel better Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 